You're listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website at www.snowdropministries.com or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both blessed and challenged by this teaching. Tonight I want to talk to you just a bit about sanctification. Uh, I feel it's important that we understand this principle before we can truly understand who we are in Christ. Uh, we talked last week about justification and how it's just as if we've never sinned and, and how we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We talked about how we're not a slave, but a son, that, that we don't need to live enslaved to sin any longer. We talked about how as sons and daughters, we have a permanent place in God and in the family of God. We've been adopted into his family. We talked about how all of this is done by grace and through faith and, and not by our own works. And, and, but I just want to share with you tonight that that is not all that God wants to do in our lives. He didn't just come to save us. He didn't just come to make us joint heirs with Jesus. He didn't just come to get us to heaven. I told you last week, he came to get heaven into us. He came to change us. He came to, to cause us to reflect his glory. He, he came to make us more, look more like him. Is there anybody here tonight that wants to look more like him? The Bible says that his divine power has given us everything we need for godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and goodness. That's in 2 Peter 1.3. And I want to look at that verse just for a bit tonight. I want to read it to you just a little bit slower because I want you to grasp it. I, I want you to hear the truth that's in it. His divine power. Can, can, I, can I just tell you, it's his divine power that has given you everything you need for a godly life. Some of you think that you can walk a godly life all on your own. You can will it enough. You can work it enough but can I just tell you it is his divine power that has given you everything you need for a godly life and look at the rest of that scripture it says it is through our knowledge of him that we begin to walk out the godly life if you don't have any knowledge of him if you don't have any knowledge of his word it would be very difficult for you no matter how much power you have in you to begin to walk out that life so it says his divine power has given us everything we need for, for life and godliness, for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his glory and his goodness. Who knows that we have a good God? He's a good God. And he's given us everything we need to walk out the life that he has called us to. It's not about our works. It's about his glory and his power in us. It's about surrendering to that power in us. The Bible says that the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of us. Do, do you understand that? It lives inside of us. He's given us everything we need to walk out the life that he's called us to. I want, you to re I want to remind you that everything that Jesus did when he was here on earth, he did by the Spirit's power. 
He didn't do it in his own strength. He didn't do it in his own power. Scripture says he only did the Father's will. He didn't live life the way he wanted to live. He didn't live life gratifying his own uh, fleshly desires. He didn't uh, live fulfilling his wants and his needs. He lived his life only doing the Father's will. I wonder what would happen, church, if we lived our life saying, I'm only going to do the Father's will today or in the next hour. <laughs> well, what would happen? What would our lives look like? We need to know that, that his divine power has given us everything we need to walk out and live the same kind of life that Jesus lived, a godly life. Anything that we do that's effective, anything that we do that's life transforming, anything that we do that even looks remotely like him is only because of his power at work in us. Do you know that? Christ modeled before us the importance of living under the control of the spirit. And we too must learn to live life that way. Day, day after day, moment by moment, we have to learn to live and surrender to the spirit that lives inside of us. First John 2.6 says, He who says he abides in him ought also himself to walk as he walked. In other words, John is saying, if you're going to say that you abide in him, that you live in him, remember that word abide means to live, to dwell, to, to, be, to be permanently in him, to, 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 to remain in him. If you're going to say that you abide in him, then you need to walk like he walked. Well, how do we do that, Lord? You do that because his divine power has given you everything you need to do it. I don't know about you. But I want to walk like he walked. I want to look more like him. I want to stop excusing my sin and start looking more like him. You say, well, Rhea, I don't excuse my sin. I'm just going to tell you if we're going to get into this identity series and begin talking about the things that I want to talk about, we have got to start being honest with ourselves and we've got to stop playing the role of the victim and we've got to start saying there are sometimes I excuse behaviors in my life that are not like him. Things that I know I should not ought to do, I believe lies that propel that behavior into action and cause me to excuse it because, because I say, oh, my past or, or in my childhood or the things I've been through or I'm just weak and we want to excuse the sin. And I'm just here to tell you that we need to stop excusing the sin and start walking in the identity of who he says we are. But until we get to the point where we stop pointing the finger at everybody else and say, if they wouldn't have done this, I would do this we will never get to the place we need to be until we come to the place where we can say everything I need to live victoriously has been given to me that power lives inside of me and I'm going to begin tapping into that instead of tapping into the comments and the and the 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 the, the things that other people say about me it's a choice church it is a choice and as we go through this series, we are going to have to begin to realize that I do not have to be who they say I am. I do not have to walk out what was spoken over me all my life. I do not have to be conformed into the image that this person wants me conformed into. I don't have to act like you want me to act. All that I have to do is be who God says I am. And I got the power living inside of me to be it. I don't need you to empower me. I've got the power 
inside of me. So it really doesn't matter what you say about me. It doesn't matter what you think about me. What matters is what God has already said about me and that it's truth. Do you see it? But so often... So much of our identity is in some of those behaviors that we excuse away. And we feel like we're stuck. This is who I'm always going to be. It's who my mom was before me. It was before who her mother was before her. I'm stuck in this behavior. Maybe I'm stuck in this behavior because it's the choices I've made all of my life and I don't feel like there's any way I can get out of it. It's what I've done. It's the choices I've made. I made my bed. I'm going to lay in it. And, and, And we excuse our behaviors and keep ourselves stuck. But I am here to tell you tonight, you are not stuck. You are not going to be uh, unchanged. You're not stuck, uh, and, and this is who you're always going to be. You are not stuck. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives within you. You don't have to always be angry. The Bible says a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that cry that God desires, and you know that here, but you can't seem to get any victory over the anger inside of you. It's not about willing it. It's about understanding that the divine power, his divine power has given you everything you need to walk out what he's called you to do. And it's a choice. Will I stay stuck or will I begin to walk victoriously? It's a choice. I've set before you life and death, he says, choose, choose. But we have got to understand, just like we want to praise the Lord, hallelujah, I'm justified. It's just as if I've never sinned. I'll receive that one. Yes, I'm first in line for that one. I need to know that my sins have been washed away, and it's just as if I've never sinned. We are all on board for that one. But I'm telling you what, he says you've been sanctified, and you've been set apart, and everything that you need to walk that out is in you. That's that power is in you. Where are the hallelujahs? Praise God for that one. Because this one involves our will. This one is already settled. It's done. It's over. We are saved by grace through faith so that no man can boast. It's not about works. But now this one. While it's not about works, we sure have to put our will into it, don't we? Because here's the thing. We can be saved by grace. It's just as if I've never sinned. We can go to heaven, hallelujah. Nothing can keep me out of heaven. And we can say, you know what, that, that sanctification stuff, it's too hard for me. I don't want to submit. I, I, I don't want to surrender to his will in my life. I, I just want to live like I'm living right now. Rock on with your bad self. But you know what? We were created in his image and in his likeness to display his glory. To, have you ever seen, I saw somebody the other day with a t-shirt that said represent. Have you ever heard that saying, represent? Do you know that we are called to represent God to, in a lost and dying world, to represent Christ in a lost and dying world? We are created in his image and in his likeness, and we are called to just display that glory in this world. And if we have not submitted and surrendered to his sanctifying work, to the power of his Holy Spirit and his, in our life, if we have not said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done, I'm just going to tell you what, we will never represent well. And maybe you don't care about that. Maybe all you care about is dying and going to heaven. Well, rock on with your bad self. But I want to look like him. I am sick of looking like Rhea Briscoe. I'm sick of it. 
I want to look more like him. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. 1 Thessalonians 5.23. The word says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and make your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That word sanctify, it means to make holy, to purify, to consecrate. It means to separate from profane things and dedicate to God. The sanctification process is, it makes us more Christ-like. It matures us. It's a picture of spiritual growth. Here's my favorite part of that definition. It means to purify internally by renewing of the soul. To purify internally by renewing of the soul. What did I tell you the soul was? Your mind, your will, your emotions. If the word sanctify means, it means to purify internally by the renewing of the soul. Oh, I really like that definition because we are going to begin talking in the next couple weeks about renewing your mind and, and taking some responsibility for what we're thinking on and, and keeping our thoughts, taking our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. I love that he says that the word sanctify. May the God of peace himself sanctify you and set you apart. May he internally renew your mind and set you free by renewing your mind and purify you by renewing your mind. Do you just love that? Some of us have some minds that need renewed. Some of us need have some minds that need restored. I, I'm going to talk maybe next week. I haven't decided yet. The scripture says that he restores my soul. Oh, do you just love that? Does anybody love that besides me? Because I've had some stuff spoken over me as a little girl. Anybody here besides me have some stuff spoken over them? Not not necessarily truth spoken over them, some garbage spoken over them that maybe they've believed as truth that, that were just spoken so many times over them that they actually believed it might just, might just be true. You see, you don't believe it the first time it's spoken. It's after it's been hammered over you over and over and over and confirmed by, by other situations and, and the enemy gets a loophole and you actually start believing that a lie might actually be truth about you. And it gets embedded in that mind. And then your behaviors begin to flow out of that lie. That really, it's no truth at all. It's a lie. But your behaviors begin to flow out of that. And anybody here besides me, glad that we have a God who restores our soul. That word restore, it means to take back to its original condition. You, you, do you know that we were created <laughs> by God. When God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he created and the word says in his likeness, in his image, we were created to, to, to represent well because we were created in his image, in his likeness. That's how we were created. But, but who knows that Adam and Eve, that, that image got marred in the garden. It got tainted by sin. And, and so that image was marred uh, was marred in the garden, but I'm telling you what, he came to restore my soul, to restore my mind. He, he came to, to, to take me back to my former glory, to what he wanted me to be like. Are you following me? I have a neighbor here when I was a little girl growing up. His name was Bobby, and, and he, he like collected antiques. He loved to collect antiques, and I don't want to step on any toes. I know that some of you really like antiques, but I like new. Anybody, 
I like new. And I understand that you can take an antique and you can restore that thing and it can be pretty, but I like new. And, but, but I know that some of you like antiques. Bobby liked antiques and, and he would collect them and he would buy what I thought was a piece of junk and really like a piece of junk. All kinds of paint painted over that thing, chipped up wood, looked terrible. Are you with me? And he would spend not so much money for that. It would not cost him very much, but, but he, would, he would take that thing and he would spend hours stripping that paint and, and he would work and sand it and strip it and sand it and strip it. And then he would, he would, he would restore it. And he'd take that piece of what I thought was junk Somebody is, are you with me? He would take what I thought was junk, what I would have labeled worthless, and he restored that thing into a a piece of beauty, into a masterpiece. Oh, can I tell you what? We have a God who restores our soul, who restores our soul, who takes what the enemy meant for evil and turns it around and uses it for his glory and his good. Does anybody need their soul restored? I know somebody who's able. I know somebody who is able. But we have to cooperate with him in that restoration process. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. You say, well, Rhea, I thought you said I've been justified. It's just as if I've never sinned. Why do I need to be sanctified? I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. You know, sanctification is about Christ-likeness. I want to look more like him. My mama used to say to me, Rhea, you are the only Bible that some people are ever going to read. Be careful how you're living. I wonder, are we living in a way that looks like Jesus? I think it was Francis of Assisi said, preach Christ always when necessary, use words. Can people look at at us and know that we're different? Do we reflect his glory? Do we act like him? I know that, that we were created in his image and in his likeness, but is that what I'm showing the world? Is that what you're showing the world? Are we representing well? L. Legion Duncan says, in sanctification, God is addressing the marring of sin and healing it and restoring it to its former glory so that we would be what he intended us to be in the first place, the very image and likeness of God Almighty. He wants us to reflect his image to a lost and dying world. And lest you should think I'm getting into works here, let me just tell you uh, that, that, that it is It is God who does it. We just cooperate with him. Look at that scripture. May the God of peace himself sanctify you. He is doing the sanctifying. The same cross that that saved us. The same cross that justified us. The same cross that cleansed us from all unrighteousness becomes the power source for sanctification. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Today I was reading that verse over and I read it slowly. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. His divine power lives within me. So the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God. In other words, I'm just going to have faith in you, that you are living inside of me and that you will be the powerhouse that I need you to be when I need you to be all that you are. 
because I've been crucified with Christ. You see it? I want you to turn over to Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13, familiar passage, but I want to just spend some time chewing on that tonight. Would you turn in your Bibles to Philippians 2, 12 and 13? Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God, somebody say it's God. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Uh, there's one translation that defines working out your salvation as likeness to the Lord Jesus. I like the Amplified. I want to read it to you. It says, therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed my suggestions, so now not only with enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I'm absent, work out, cultivate, Carry out to the goal and fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling. Here's what I want you to hear. Self-distrust with serious caution, tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, and this is my favorite, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. I'm going to read that again. Timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. I, I wonder if we timidly shrink from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. What would happen this week if in every conversation we had, every interaction we made with people, if we stopped to think, Lord, is this going to discredit your name? Is this going to offend you, Lord? I need to shrink back. I don't want anything to do with discrediting your name. I don't want anything to do with offending you. You say, well, Rhea, he understands I've been saved by grace and not by works so that no man can boast. There's grace, Rhea. Yes, there's grace. But what would happen? If we just stopped and said, Lord, is this interaction going to bring you glory? What was the scripture that we read tonight in prayer that the righteous, Masha, the, the scripture, the shield scripture, he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Man, that got down deep in my spirit, that he is a shield to those who walk uprightly. <laughs> you want a shield? Lord, where were you? Well, were you walking uprightly? Were you choosing life? He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. Paul says, therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed, I want you to note his use of therefore, or in some of your translations, the so then. And I want you to see that those words, any place you see a therefore, you should always ask yourself, what is it there for? It is always a hinge. It always connects what came before to what is following after. He says, therefore, uh, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, 
Do you know what this connects? It connects the passage where, where the Bible talks about Jesus humbling himself and becoming obedient even to death. The exact same words for as you have obeyed that we just read, that word obey there is the same word that it's used when it's talking about Jesus being obedient unto death. That, that word obedient, I think it's in verse 8. Somebody have their Bible open? Verse 8, where it talks about Jesus being obedient unto death. That is the root word of the one we see in verse 12. And so Paul was saying, he's, he's bringing a hinge. Because Christ was obedient unto death, because at, at his name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Because he is Lord, therefore, as you have always obeyed, <laughs> work out your salvation with fear and trembling. The common denominator there is the word obey. He's making the connection, therefore, as Jesus obeyed, so should we, that obedience matters. Yes, there's grace, but obedience matters. He's saying it's important that you don't just look good when I'm with you. It's important that we know that this is not a show. It's not about looking good for others. It's, about, it's not just about obeying when somebody else is around. And again, the same thing is true here, that obedience can only happen as we continually yield and surrender to the power of the Spirit that's in us. We don't have the ability to obey. Can I just tell you this much I know about Rhea Briscoe? I have been in the pig pen. Anybody besides me been in the pig pen? Now, now some of you, 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 you don't know what it's like. I know what it's like to slop in the pig pen. I don't just mean a little bit. I mean neck deep in pig poop. Can I just make that clear right now? I know what the pig pen looks and smells like, and I don't ever want to go back there. Bible says that sin is tasty for a season. Nobody would do it if it wasn't tasty. Can I tell you, it doesn't taste good to me. I'm just going to tell you. But it lures, it called your name. And the pig pen, I've been in the pig pen. I know what it's like to, to slop and crawl home filthy, dirty with sin. I know what it's like. And I know that, that, that I'm prone to wander. I don't want to go back to that pig pen. I don't want to live that life anymore. I know that I've been saved by grace. But I know that he is a shield for those who walk uprightly. I've tasted both lives. And I don't want to go back. But I know my heart. So interesting. I was looking up a word, the, the, the word, I think it was abide this week. And, and, and the word meant uh, to, to, to maintain unbroken fellowship. Mm. Just look at it. I think it was in 1 John. All the, list, all the word abide. I, I went through in a purple highlighter and I, I went through the book of 1 John and I highlighted every abide in purple because it so rocks my world that he was saying, abide in me, come with unbroken fellowship. Oh, does that rock anybody's world besides me? Because there's a difference in being saved and going to heaven. You can be saved. You can be going to heaven. You can have prayed the prayer of salvation and be saved by grace through faith, not by works so that no man can boast, but you could still have some broken fellowship with him. He 
He says, if you always obeyed in my presence, now much more in my absence, work out your salvation. That word obey there is such an interesting word. It, it, the word in the, the Greek, it, it's two words. It's a compound word. And it means the first word is hupo, which means under. And the other word is akuo. And it means physical hearing. It's where we get our word acoustics. Are you with me? And it means to attend to, consider what is or has been said, to give ear to a teaching or a teacher. But it gets better. It has the meaning of listening to or placing oneself under what is being heard and therefore submitting or obeying to what is heard. It implies the, the idea of voluntary submission. It's so cool because this word is where we get our word like doorkeeper or porter. It's, it has that picture. In fact, it's used in Acts where, where I think it's Peter goes and knocks on the door and Rhoda, you know the little servant door, the little servant girl, she hears the knock and she doesn't just sit there. She hears the knock and she does something about the knock. She goes to the door and opens it up. Are you with me? And that's the word that's used there and it's a picture of not just hearing it's hearkening and hearing and waiting for the knock on the door and then doing something about it and causing a reaction and a result because of what you do are you with me he says obey and it's that word and it means that you don't just hear it means you hearken and you're listening for what you need to do and then you're responding and there's a resulting action that takes place oh is that a hallelujah kind of word it means that i'm not just going to hear god speak i'm not just going to listen to his word i'm not going to just sit in a message and hear a preacher preach i'm going to hearken a cool i'm going to hearken and I'm going to hear, and I'm going to do something about it, and it's going to result in something. There's always a result when it comes to that word. It's a picture of giving attention and surrendering to that which is shown by a behavior that follows. There's always a behavior that follows. That means I can't just hear God's word and not have a behavior or a result that follows. Do you just love it? He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I need you to hear me say this loud and clear. He's saying, work it out. It's not work for. Don't work for your salvation. Your salvation is already solidified. You've been saved by grace through faith so that no man can boast. It's not about works. So you're not working for your salvation. That's already done and accomplished. He's saying, work it out. Work out what's already been put inside of you. I started working out this week. I gained 30 pounds this past year. It's not been a fun year for Rhea. I'm just going to tell you that. I don't like it one teensy tiny little bit. But, but I've just decided I, I'm getting old. And I can't stop working out. I've got to make a decision to work out. I can't just look at the treadmill and hang my clothing on it. I have to get on the thing. And I really don't like it. Sweet little Angela's here. She likes working out. I, I wish God made me like that. I don't. I don't even enjoy it for two seconds. I hate it. I really do not like it. It takes effort. I sweat. I really don't like it but if i want to accomplish what i want to accomplish if i want the effects of working out and i do i have to choose to work out on that treadmill 
And right now you can't see it, but my scale says a teensy tiny bit. And I'm pretty sure in a couple weeks, y'all are going to be saying, she is working out. (laughs) Amen, Angela. (laughs) Because you're going to see the effects. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Work out what's been worked in you. Let me see the effects. And right now, maybe you're just starting and it's hard. But soon people are going to say, huh, something's changing in her. He's not the person he used to be. He must be working out his salvation. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Do that from which something results. That word work there is a compound word in the original language. And here's what I love, because think about my treadmill. It's a compound word, and the second word in that, that it's made up of means to labor, <laughs> means to put out effort. Here's what I want to tell you guys. This isn't about work, but we have to cooperate with his Holy Spirit working within us. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 15:10. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. Again, it's not you doing it. Paul says, I worked harder than anybody else, but it wasn't me working. It was the grace of God that was in me. Will Pound says, work out what God has worked in when you were born again. Bring the whole purpose of your salvation to completion. Don't stop short of seeing the fulfillment of your very existence. Can I just tell you, he didn't save you to let you remain the same. Work out what God has worked in you. It's not about losing your salvation or working for your salvation. I love it. It's the, the tense there is present imperative. Oh, I, I love that because you see imperative, that's a command. Work out your salvation. The present means it's an ongoing action that you continue to do, that you're never done doing it. It's not a once and for all completed action. One Bible dictionary says present imperative means continually, habitually follow this command. Follow the command to work out your salvation. It's, it's, it's often a call to long-term commitment. It calls for the attitude or the action to be one's continual way of life. We are going to make up our, our mind that we are going to work out our salvation, that we are going to let his divine power <laughs> help us to walk out a godly life. We are going to apply these principles to our life and begin to walk them out. We're going to put the effort into it, <laughs> and the results are going to show in our life. It's a habitual practice. He says, work out your salvation, not earn your salvation, work it out. Notice he says, it's your salvation. You work out your salvation. I can't do it for you, precious one. I can preach to you till I'm blue in the face, but we have got to come to a place where we start accepting responsibility and saying, it's up to me to go to God with this. It's up to me to surrender to his spirit with this, with this thing in my life that I've been struggling with. Nobody can do it for us. We have to make the decision to do it ourselves. That word salvation, Arthur Pink defines salvation as being saved from the penalty, the power, the presence, and the pleasure of sin. I love that. 
Salvation is being saved from the penalty, power, presence, and pleasure of sin. Do you understand that Christ has broken the power of canceled sin? He has canceled your sin debt. It's just as if you've never sinned. And so for those of you that are here tonight and you're struggling with some sin that seems to be conquering you, notice I said seems to be conquering you, you need to understand that Christ already conquered that sin, that he canceled that sin. And what seems to be conquering you has already been conquered by him. And when you really understand that, you're going to understand why he's saying, work out your salvation because he has already canceled that sin. Oh, that's so good. You see, that's why it's not about works. It's not about, oh, I blew it again. It's about, it's already canceled. He's already done the work. Now you just walk it out. That came true to me today. Little, my, my daughter Kendall was, was with me she was working in the library and I was working at church and she came down. She was going to take a quiz. For those of you that don't know, my daughter is homeschooled. She does uh, online schooling. And, and so it, it's pretty taxing and it's a lot of work. And, um, and I'm pretty stringent when it comes to schoolwork. And, and so when she was in middle school, she could take a quiz and sometimes they would let her take it again if she didn't pass it. Well... When she got to high school, you can take a test or a quiz one time, and then you're sunk. Unlike in the public schools where you can maybe talk the teacher into letting you take it again, or, or maybe she'll make it, do it on a curve or whatever, you can't do that on online schooling. You get one shot at that test, and if you mess up, you've messed up. And so this is a new school year, and Kendall was used to being able to take it again if she didn't do well. And, and so I said to her, she came down, and she said, Mama, I'm going to take a, a history quiz. Do you have time to quiz me? I said, Kendall, I'm overwhelmed at work right now. I really can't quiz you. You need to just study hard. But I'm going to tell you, young lady, you get one shot at this. And I'm being firm. And I'm like, you get one shot. And, and if you blow it, there, I, you can't be writing your teacher and saying, can I have another chance? You get one shot at this. And, and you blow it. I'm just going to tell you, you're in high school now, big girl. And those grades follow you through. And, and that's going to determine whether or not you get into a college. And you need to take this seriously. And you get one shot at this. So you better make sure you have studied, studied, studied. And don't you be messing around here. And I'm just, I'm just telling her a thing or two. And, and she's like, Mama, I studied. I'm like, you better go back and look at those notes one more time. And so she goes back and she is studying, studying, studying these notes, and it's a quiz, and she, she's studying, 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 and finally she says, Mama, I think I'm ready, and I'm like, now I just want to, I want to tell you one more time, you get one shot at this, and she's like, oh, Mom, and I'm like, just be very careful when you read it, you just be careful, and reread it, and check your answers, and you get one shot, girlfriend, and you don't want to blow it. So she signs on to her little classroom. She pulls up the quiz, and I hear this big sigh. And I'm like, what? And she's like, unlimited. That's an unlimited quiz. I can take it as many times as I want. <laughs> and I'm like, shoo, now you got it in you, baby. You just take your time, and, and <laughs> it's in you. I know it's in you. Now you just do it, and there's no pressure. <laughs> Not that mom was putting any on her. <laughs> And I said, there's no pressure, baby girl. You got it in you. Yeah, she got 100% on the quiz the first time through. Now, now I tell you that because the Lord is so good to me because I needed an illustration. Because as she said that, I thought to myself, huh, isn't that like us? 
Some of us come to obedience and we're like, I'm going to blow it. I get one chance at this and then I blew it and I can't believe I blew it. And, and boy, all the cards are on the table and I got to do well here. And what if I don't? And, and then you feel like a loser when you don't. And you think you got one shot at this and you better do well. And that voice in your head saying, you're a failure. You're going to fail. You're going to mess up. And you better do good. And you better watch out. <laughs> and then you find out unlimited tries. You mess up, you get to try again. You mess up, you get to try again. You mess up, you get to try again. Every time running smack dab in the middle of grace. Okay, you didn't get my illustration. Because if you got that, you'd be singing hallelujah. Do you understand? You weren't sitting there with Kendall. You didn't see the stress of, I got one shot at this and I need to pass it. And then the relief when she realized she could do it as many times if she wanted. If she messed up, she'd just do it again. If she messed up, she'd just do it again. Do you understand the freedom that she had when she entered that? that that's why she could get 100% because there was no pressure. All pressure was off. All she knew is if she messed up, she'd just do it again. Grace. Grace. And Kendall didn't sit down at that grace field quiz and say, ah, mess up. I'll just try and mess up because, you know, I get to do it again anyway. She still gave it 100%. She got 100%. She didn't need a second time. But the pressure that was off of her when she realized, I can take this again, it was amazing the difference that made. Can I tell you? Pressure's off. He's canceled. Cancel. Cancel. It is by grace that you've been saved. So now, you walk in that grace. And that's what you approach every situation with. Understanding that he has canceled the power of sin. Canceled it. The sin that seems to be conquering you, you can face. You can face. Because he's conquered it. Do you understand? He says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I love that he says, the God of peace. The God of peace. Look at that. Let, let's go back and just look at that passage just one more time. He, he, he says, um, Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but how much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and, and, and to work for his good pleasure. Let's go back to that. Um, he says it's the God of peace. I, I want you to see that, that the word for peace here means we, we, we've ceased being at war with him. He is not angry with us. He doesn't want to pour out his wrath on us. He's already poured it out on Jesus. The God of peace. He is the God of peace. And he says, so work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It means with reverence and awe, self-distrust, with serious caution, tenderness of conscience. Oh, timidly shrinking from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do. 
It's God's presence working in you. You can work out your salvation. You can mess up and try again. You can work it out because it is God who's working in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Do you understand that it's your will that's involved? You cooperate with him through your will. But he says it's even him that's working in you to will it. Do you understand that? For it is God who's working in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Some of you are like, I don't know if I can will it. Guess what? It's God who's working in you to will and to do his good pleasure. Tell him you want to be able to will it. You say, Rhea, why should I care? You know, if I'm saved by grace, why should I care? Do you understand that he lives within you? Do you understand that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit? that he's with you all the time, that he is Emmanuel, God, with you? Do do you know that you house the holy, that everywhere you go, you, you take him with you? That it's his power working through us? Over and over we see in scripture, put off, don't let sin reign, don't do this. And it's pictures of us cooperating with the Spirit. Cooperating with the Spirit. I think it's in Ephesians, it says, um, no, Romans 8, 13, it says, by the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. By the Spirit, we put to death the deeds of the flesh. It's by the Spirit. It's not by our willing it. It's, It's by us cooperating with him through our will, but he is the one that puts it to death. By the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh. Lord, I can't conquer this. Well, lean on his Spirit. Allow him to empower you to do it. As we begin this identity series, we're going to talk about lies. We're going to talk about deep embedded beliefs that are not true, that you've been believing as truth. And until you understand that this is not what guides us, that it is the spirit within us that we surrender to, that that, that we lean on, until you understand that, you'll never get free. It's his spirit working in us. It says, for it is God who works in you. It blesses my heart because it's present tense there. It, it means that, that God is constantly at work in us. He didn't save us and leave us. He didn't call, call us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ and then, and then say, have at it, good luck with that. He, he didn't do that. He is constantly working in us. Do you see it? God is working in us to will and to do his good pleasure. It's a continuous action. It's present tense. He's not stopping. It's continuous action. He's not saying, you know what? I'm a little fed up with you today. I'm giving up on you. It's a present tense, continuous action in your life. God working in you. He's at work in us. He didn't leave us to our own devices. He calls us to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel and then reminds us that we can do it because he's still at work in us, changing us and making us look more like him. You say, well, Rhea, how do I do that? The same way Jesus did it. He submitted to God. 
He submitted to God. I heard somebody preach this week and, and they were talking about Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane and, and he was talking about his own children and, and he said, you know, Jesus in the garden, he was sweating drops of blood and he was saying, God, if there's any way, Father, if there's any way that this cup can be taken from me and we read that like it's nothing and I believe it was coming from the pit of his gut. I think he was saying, if there is any other option, if there's any way that you could possibly remove this from me could it be can you imagine those of you that are parents can you imagine seeing your child in that kind of agony if there's any other way if there's any way that this cup could be removed from me would you not do everything in your power would you not I would do everything in my power to remove that from them. I, I would come to their rescue. I couldn't stand to see them like that. And, and Jesus is saying, Father, if there's any way possible that this cup could be removed from me, nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. Well, Jesus, it's my will. Oh, does that get anybody besides me? Nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. I want to just rescue him. I want to say, God, come on. He is coming to you as your son, not, not a servant. He's coming as your son saying, Father, if there's any way, this, there's another way. Is there any other way, God? There has to be another way. Please don't make me do this. Nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. And the father said, it's my will that you go to that cross. It's my will for you to die. Not just die, but die, that horrible death, die. Can you imagine living that kind of life? Because, you see, Jesus didn't just live it. He modeled it for us. He became the example. This is how we are to live. That he would say, I came here to do the Father's will. And no matter what the Father's will looks like, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much I'm tempted to do something else, I am going to submit to your will, Lord. I'm going to submit to it. What if we live like that? What if we live like that? But instead we say, I'm going to do whatever I want to do. I want to do my will. What safety, what protection we have if we just did his will? What would our lives look like? Masha, what's the scripture? He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. We have been saved, that's justification. We are being saved, that's sanctification. And we will be saved, that's glorification. You see it? You are saved by grace, through faith, not by works, so that no man can boast. I don't care what you've done or how horrible it is. In his eyes, it's just as if you've never sinned. If you know him as your Lord and Savior, it is just as if you've never sinned. But now that you've been rescued from that, from the penalty, the power, the pleasure of sin, now go work it out. Walk it out. Surrender to a spirit at work in your life and watch what can happen. Watch what can happen as we are. I was talking to a friend this week and I said to her, why is it so easy 
for us to believe the lies that have been spoken over us, the things that people have said about us, and take that on as our identity. Why is it easier for us to believe the voice of man or our own voice over the voice of truth, of a God who cannot lie, not a God who will not lie, but who cannot lie? Those are two different things. He is not a God who will not lie. He's a God who cannot lie. That means this word is yea and amen to those who believe, that he means what he says. So when he says that you're chosen, you're handpicked by him, that he picked you out of a crowd for himself, he means it. When he says that you're his beloved, that, that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, it doesn't matter who, 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 I just read a scripture this week that said, you, you were, whether you were born out of the will of a man or the will of the flesh, that just that got deep inside of me because, you know, some of you don't know this, but I was conceived in an adulterous affair that my mother had. Accident. That scripture got so deep down in me this week that, 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 that you, <laughs> I love it, that, that whether you were born of the will of man, meaning Karen, your mom and dad just got together and said, we want a Karen, we want a baby so bad, we're just going to get together and have a baby, we want her, because she was born of the will of man. I, however, was born of the will of the flesh. <laughs> we want to have an affair is what we want to have. Oops, there's Rhea doesn't matter because the scripture says it doesn't matter if you were born of the will of man, if you were born of blood, you were born of the will of the flesh, but you were born of God. Do you know that you were born of him? It doesn't matter if you're a mistake. It doesn't matter if you were wanted. It doesn't matter if you were given away. It doesn't matter if you were abandoned or rejected. You understand you were chosen by God. He picked you out. He said, I want her. He designed you. He created you. Do you understand who you are? And see, when we start getting those truths, that truth went deep in me. Deep in me this week. And we're going to start getting those truths deep in us. Deep in us. Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Rhea Briscoe, a division of Snowdrop Ministries. For more information about Rhea or how to connect with Snowdrop Ministries, please visit our website, www.snowdropministries.com. Or you can call 414-581-8150. We pray you are both encouraged and challenged to go deeper and grow stronger in your walk with Christ.